What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of Be Shape Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you. The moment, the episode you've all been waiting for, Wednesday, July 20th, as we're finally ready to do it, we're going to talk some Juan Soto tonight. And there's been a bit of an update. If you count the news reported, written about by Jim Bowden at The Athletic on Wednesday, that adds a little bit of a wrinkle into this conversation and I think actually has a chance to make the Cardinals more relevant in the pursuit of Juan Soto than they otherwise would have been. And we're going to jump right into it. Not going to waste any time tonight because I want this to be a hearty discussion and then I want to get to bed. So that's kind of the way this is going to go. Make sure to subscribe to Be Shape Daily. Spotify, Apple Podcasts are the two best places to find us. Google Podcasts as well is an option for you. Head to anchor.fm slash bshafer12. Click on the More Platforms tab, and you can find all the locations that B-Shape Daily can be found in podcast land. But I want to start with the trade poll that I put out a few days ago. And I want to not spend a whole heck of a lot of time on it with regard to Juan Soto because the game has perhaps been changed by the Jim Bowden news. And I will go ahead and read off the top what he said in his article at The Athletic on Wednesday with regard to what the Nationals maybe are looking to do. I'm going to spend some time today talking about how this particular sentence is not plausible for the Washington Nationals. Here's what Jim Bowden wrote on Wednesday. I believe it was Wednesday. I saw it Wednesday morning, so that's as as far as I'm aware when it was written right before that. In return for Soto, the Nationals want, and they want three things. Here they are. One, multiple major leaguers and top prospects, that's two, but also, number three, to offload the bad contract of pitcher Patrick Corbin, according to sources. Okay, so they want multiple major leaguers, top prospects, and to get rid of Patrick Corbin, who is owed nearly $60 million between 2023-2024. And the reason that's not so palatable Well, you take a look at Patrick Corbin's performance, his statistics, the last couple of years, you don't have to look very hard to figure out the reason they're looking to offload that contract. He's 4-12 this season with a 5.87 ERA. And last season, he was 9-16 with a 5.82 ERA. You look at the whip for Patrick Corbin, walks plus hits per inning pitched, 1.696 this season. Last year, 1.468. So not very good numbers for Patrick Corbin. And you can even go back one additional year to the 2020 COVID season. The whip was still over one and a half. ERA 4.66. He signed that massive contract ahead of the 2019 season. He had that one real good year with Arizona. He was an all-star in 2018 and was fantastic, and then signed a mega deal, a backloaded mega deal, unfortunately, for the Nationals. We'll get to that in a moment. The reason that it's such an expensive contract with only two years remaining is because they backloaded the majority of it to where I think he's owed like $35 million for 2024, and he's already, the last really three years, been not even a serviceable starting pitcher, but they have to keep running him out there because they owe him all this money. It's part of the reason the Nationals aren't really where they want to be right now, and why they're considering the notion of trading Juan Soto, superstar at 23 years old, with still two and a half years of team control in the first place. And if the Nationals are going to do this, because again, the reason that we're here, let's talk about that. 
and then I'll get into the, the trade poll that I posted, what the results of that were, and why it may no longer be relevant. Because the style and the format of the trade proposal that I had come up with is maybe not what the Nationals are looking for because I didn't have Patrick Corbin in mind. But the Nationals offered Juan Soto a 15-year, $440 million contract extension, and he rejected it, which led the Nationals to say, "Eh, a week ago or so at this time, I forget the exact day that this news came out, but it led the Nationals to say, we're done. We are not going to be able to sign Juan Soto to a long-term deal, so we've got to trade him rather than allow him to play out the rest of his deal or I should say the rest of his team control, because the way it works before you are at six years of Major League Service time is you go through arbitration until the end of the six years. He's in that process now where he's got two more years of arbitration, and actually he might have been a Super 2 guy because I think he gets a fourth year of arbitration, but the number to know is six, six years total, and he's in the process now of getting raises throughout the final years of those six years until he becomes a free agent. And next year, people predict it'll be over $20 million, maybe close to $25 million for Juan Soto in 2023. And then through arbitration the following year, maybe close to $30 million. So you're talking about perhaps over $50 million for the final two years of Juan Soto prior to his free agency. And that's a lot of money in and of itself, right? And if the Nationals are in a position where they're not looking too competitive for the next year or two, It's great to have Juan Soto. He probably sells some tickets, but they feel they are so far gone that even two years in advance, two and a half years in advance of him becoming a free agent, they know it's hopeless. We're not going to be able to sign him, and so we might as well trade him now while his value is at its highest. And I've been saying all year that actually makes some sense because they could potentially restock their entire farm system with one move because Juan Soto is that good. Talk about in a minute, why Juan Soto is such an attractive player. But I've been teasing the trade poll, so let me get to that first. Because I want to knock this out and then get into, first of all, I'll talk about whether or not this is a deal I would have done, which is a little hard to do now that we know that the Patrick Corbin factor is in play. And But then I want to spend some time talking about why the Corbin factor is so significant and could actually, if the Cardinals were so inclined, the Corbin factor could bring them back into consideration. It takes them out of fantasy land and into, actually, this could be realistic if the Cardinals wanted to go there. It's not me saying they do want to go there. I don't have that information. But if they wanted to, I actually think it would be plausible if Patrick Corbin is involved. But here's what it would have looked like without him. And again, this was just fantasy land. I was Anytime I'm trying to do a, tw- a Twitter poll, I want to get 50% of the people to say yes to a trade, and I want the other 50% to say no. That doesn't always mean that it's a deal the Cardinals would benefit from. It doesn't mean the Cardinals' trade partner would benefit from it. I'm just trying to spark a conversation. And it worked. 4,634 votes. Pretty good outcome. And we got a lot of comments and replies. Of course, people saying, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. No, you can't possibly do this. Why would the Cardinals do this? And how could anybody vote no? Of course, the Cardinals would need to do this trade. You get both sides. And here's what the poll entailed. And, and I'll give you the results. I asked, would you trade Jordan Walker? We've talked about him on the podcast. Big time top prospect. Could at this time next year be the number one overall prospect in minor league baseball. I think that's possible. Would you trade Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn, who is Walker's teammate at AA. He was at the Futures game 
over the All-Star week with Jordan Walker. Would you add Tink Hentz? And we haven't talked a lot about Tink Hentz, but he was part of that same 2020 draft class out of high school, a pitcher who they've taken their time with a little bit more in getting him up to speed. He obviously didn't pitch in 2020, and then just a few games at rookie ball in 2021 at age 18. I mean, this is a high school kid. Second-round pick in 2020 and very, very young. Full name is Markevian Hentz. He goes by Tink. And this year, he's pitched at Palm Beach, low A, has gotten involved a little more. They're working him in slowly. But, guys, the results have been really good. Nine starts, only 27 innings. They're Again, they're taking it easy with him. But 48 strikeouts in those 27 innings for the 19-year-old at A-ball. And he's a guy that has the potential to really advance. So that's why I put him in there. He's a little ways off, obviously. You probably won't see him in the big leagues for maybe four years or more. Hard to tell. Hard to tell how the progression will go. But I throw a name like that in there. Former second-round pick. Obviously has a pedigree. I was trying to build it up. I was trying to make it difficult for Cardinals fans to say, well, sure, I'm taking Juan Soto. And then the other name I put in there was Michael McGreevy. First-round pick from last season. He's a pitcher. So Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn, Team Kents, Michael McGreevy for Juan Soto. Would you make that deal? Soto, a free agent after 2024. When I do these polls, I don't say it's a guarantee he'll sign an extension. He will, he won't. In this case, I don't think it matters. I've talked about this, that with Juan Soto, free agent, not until the conclusion of the 2024 season, Cardinals, in my mind, could trade for him, and it wouldn't be like the Arenado deal where you have to have that contract already because obviously Arenado was signed long-term. They were worried about the opt-outs. I've told you on B-Shape Daily, don't be worried about the second opt-out after the season. Arenado's not going anywhere. Uh, We'll talk plenty more about him over the next week. Goldsmith, they traded for him. They immediately signed him to an extension. Those are the kinds of moves the Cardinals have made historically. Go back to Matt Holliday, a midseason trade. Traded for him, didn't get him extended until the offseason, but they found a way to hold on to him. They got him ingrained in the culture. He loved it here. He signed and, and played here for many years. But with Juan Soto, I don't think you need to do it that way because you might as well go try to win one of the next three World Series and then just let the chips fall where they may. Maybe you re-sign him, maybe you don't. Maybe you play with him for a couple of years and you trade him in the final season for a little bit of a prospect return and he could be a rental to go somewhere if you're not competitive in 2024. There's honestly a variety of ways you could go with it that I don't think it has to be, well, would they extend him? I don't know. I have no idea. I'm just a guy with a Twitter account. So Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn, Teen Kent's Michael McGreevy for Juan Soto. That's a lot of prospect power. Not a lot in the, the world of major league ready guys. And so with that report from Jim Bowden, that's something else to pay attention to. They want some major league ready players that they can try and salvage uh, what that roster would look like, right? You figure they'd want a replacement in the outfield. I don't know if that would be... Well, well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Here's what the results of the poll were, though, for the four prospects for Soto. 45.9% of Twitter voters out of over 4,600 votes said yes. 54.1% said no. And I texted somebody prior to and said the results would be 45% to 55%, and I damn near nailed the prediction I get good at these. I get good at anticipating what Cardinals Twitter is going to do. I think a lot of people were worried about Jordan Walker. Maybe if everybody don't lose Jordan Walker, because as I said, he could be the number one prospect in baseball a year from now, and it wouldn't surprise me. I think he has a chance to be that good. Why am I so high on Jordan Walker? I'll take a moment to explain that. 
Again, 2020 draft class, the Cardinals went heavy on high school players because that was a year where college baseball had been a little wonky. It shut it down for COVID. You didn't get a full look at everybody. And the Cardinals decided to to zig where normally they zag in terms of picking a lot of college players. They went with the high school route that year. And I think they came up with some pretty good players in, in, in the process of doing so. Jordan Walker has done a nice job progressing through the system. Spent last year, 2021, between A-ball and high A, doing well at both levels. They started him out at double A this year as not even a 20-year-old kid when it began. He turned 20 in May, so minor league baseball starting a little bit prior to that. And in double A this year, he's hitting 304 with a 392 on base percentage and a 486 slug, which equates to an 878 OPS, which is very good. But it's even better when you consider he's 20 years old, average of 4.3 years younger than the average age from AA. That's the average age against which he is competing on a daily basis. Older players in general, he's one of the younger guys at the level. He's a 20-year-old, so maybe hasn't developed into the power that he's eventually going to possess. I think that's probably fair to say. And so not a ton of power, only eight home runs so far this season. 15 stolen bases, you like, by the way. But the fact that the plate discipline is there to where he's got an on-base near 400 at double-A, that is something really impressive. The batting average is over 300. If he gets that power, if that next step clicks for him, the sky is the limit for Jordan Walker. So I am very protective of Jordan Walker in terms of thinking about a trade for the Cardinals, and Cardinals fans are as well, and that is understandable. But I just wanted to dive in again, let you know what Jordan Walker's up to and why that name could be so significant for the Cardinals a year or two from now. But with that trade poll, it's really not the most relevant up-to-date information at this point if this Patrick Corbin news is for real. I gave you the numbers on him. ERA is close to six the last couple of years. And the Nationals are saying, we want to attach this bad contract to a Juan Soto trade so we can get rid of that essentially dead money. And to that I say... If this is true, the Cardinals should be all in. Now, there's one thing the Washington Nationals are going to have to understand and change their stance on from what Jim Bowden reported today before a trade is going to happen for Juan Soto. They're not going to get all of the three things that they asked for, which is, according to Bowden, multiple major leaguers, that's one, top prospects, that's two, and to get rid of Corbin's contract, number three. You're not getting them all. You're flat out not getting them all. It's just not going to happen. I would be shocked if a team would do that, and I know the Cardinals would not do that. We can kind of just spitball this year, but if you're talking multiple major leaguers, does that mean, I don't know, Brendan Donovan, Zach Thompson, and then prospects like a Walker and Mason Wynn, and then you're getting rid of Patrick Corbin's $60 million on top of it? It just doesn't make sense to me. I've talked with people on Twitter today who say, well, the Yankees and the Dodgers, they have all the money in the world and they've got a great farm system, the both of them, and so they can afford to do this. I don't think anybody's going to be lining up to give their two of their best prospects, multiple major league players that maybe have team control like a Brendan Donovan or a Juan Yepes, who may not be superstars, but they're contributors and they're cheap and affordable for years to come. I don't see teams lining up to give four or five what I would consider really quality assets if you're talking multiple major leaguers, multiple top prospects. I don't see teams lining up to do that to essentially pay Juan Soto $110 million over the next two years because that's essentially what it would end up being. 
And though I did have a debate on Twitter today, I believe my buddy Nate is who I was going back and forth with. He said, would you sign that contract on the open market if Juan Soto and Patrick Corbin were there, free agents? Would you agree to $110 million over two years for those guys? Seems like a lot. And here's the reason I say yes without hesitation that I would do that. Because you almost have to admit that you would do that before you can agree to also give prospects and players on top of it. But I would say yes, I would do that because you're never going to see a Juan Soto on the open market for that price. It's hard to wrap your brain around that that's never going to be something that happens. But when Juan Soto, if and when he hits the open market, it's to sign a 10-year, a 12-year, a 14-year, a 16-year contract for half a billion dollars. That's what happens when Juan Soto hits the open market. You're never going to have the luxury to say, I only want him for two years. I don't want to be have, be having to commit to a lifetime of Juan Soto for half a billion. That's not what I want to do. It's not what Bill DeWitt probably wants to do either. So if I had the chance to sign Juan Soto to essentially a two-year, $110 million deal, but I also get him for this playoff run, I'd be like, yeah, that's a lot of money, but I have Juan Soto, and I'm not giving anything up to get him except for money. Yes, yeah, sign me up. So that part's easy for me. And you get... Patrick Corbin, too, which he's more of a curse than a blessing, you might say, with the way he's performed this year. But I just want to make it clear that even if that dollar amount sounds bonkers, I'm still in on that. I think the Cardinals can afford that if they're honest with themselves and if they recognize that some of the money like Yadier Molina, Adam Wainwright, different money coming off the books at the end of this season— there's, I mean, there are ways to do it, and yeah, you'll raise payroll, but I think it's probably worth it because I think you can genuinely have a chance to win a World Series in the coming years with Juan Soto joining the prime years of Arenado and Goldschmidt still. that's It's like Thanos collecting the Infinity Stones. You get another one in Juan Soto. He's a finite resource. There's not a million of them out there on the open market every year. There's usually zero Juan Sotos out on the open market every year, and there certainly are zero that you can convince to sign a two-year contract. Trevor Bauer is really the last player that that did something like that. Max Scherzer is signing short-term deals for a, a lot of money, but those guys are pitchers, and in Scherzer's case, he's much older, so he doesn't he's not getting a six-year deal from somebody. Juan Soto is 23, so that's the difference there. But yeah, to put that to bed, I do. I do think I would sign Juan Soto and Patrick Corbin to a two-year, $110 million deal in free agency. It's only two years. It's not like you're committing a decade of bad contracts. You might say it's an overpay. But to me, it depends on how you think about it. Do you think of it as, wow, you're paying Patrick Corbin $35 million in 2024 for probably no production or worse than that? Well, sure, if you look at it that way, that's nobody would jump to sign up for that, right? But you have to recognize what you'd be getting as well in Juan Soto, which is two years of Juan Soto at, frankly, below market value. Because if Juan Soto was on the open market this offseason, what do you think he'd get? Average annual value, what do you think he'd get? $35 million, $38, 40 I don't know. I think any, any of those numbers could be plausible. But in reality, through arbitration, you're only going to pay Juan Soto eh, $25 million, if that, for 2023. That's just the way arbitration works. This year, he's making $17.1 million. 
he's probably getting 22 or 23 next year. It's not going to be what he'd get on the open market. So you're getting a below value in terms of the contract. It's it's below market value price on a player who could be the MVP of the league, and it wouldn't nobody would be surprised to see that happen. This year, he's an all-star leading the league in walks with 79 walks. He's got a better ratio of walk to strikeouts. He's got 79 walks to just 54 strikeouts. Batting average is low, 250 this year. It's a career low for him, but his on-base is over 400. His slugging is near 500. He's got a 901 OPS. 20 homers. Not even going to tell you the RBIs because it doesn't matter. He's in a bad lineup. What would his RBIs be in the Cardinals lineup? Probably better. Goldie's got 70, so you tell me. So I don't think there's any doubts you want Juan Soto. Even if you're paying an exorbitant price in terms of the dollars, which you wouldn't be if there's no Patrick Corbin, by the way. Two years of Soto for 50, 52, whatever million dollars total, that would be a deal. You wouldn't mind paying that as a contending team. The Nationals, understandably, don't want to pay it because they're not going to win a World Series in the next two years. They're they're probably not making the playoffs in the next two years. And trading Juan Soto now is an opportunity to restock the farm system, which is why I framed the tweet the way that I did when I did the Twitter poll because I, I didn't think there'd be any way that it would make sense for Washington to attach the cancerous contract of Patrick Corbin to a Juan Soto trade because inevitably when you do that, you're getting less. You are getting fewer talented players because the other side is saying, well, we're doing you a favor by taking on this contract that we don't want. We're not trying to acquire Patrick Corbin. We're trying to get Juan Soto. If you're telling us that part of the terms of that deal are to take Corbin with us, if I'm the Cardinals, I go, we'll do that. But you got to understand, you're not getting Jordan Walker. You're not getting the same return that you would have gotten because we're taking a bad thing from you and just taking it off your hands. You don't have to worry about it anymore. You're getting poor production from Patrick Corbin and you're paying him even more to provide that poor production. You you wouldn't even want him if you were pitching league average at the price that you're paying him. And he's the worst starting pitcher in baseball this year. So we'll take him, but you're not getting that return. And so that's what's interesting about the article from Bowden where he says that the Nationals want multiple major leaguers and top prospects, but also to offload the contract. It's not going to happen. And like I started to mention previously, people that say the Dodgers or the Yankees, oh, they could do this. I guess they could, but they'd be silly to. They'd rather just sign free agent Aaron Judge. The Yankees can bring him back or the the Dodgers can sign him. There's no reason to kill your whole farm system and take on $60 million of bad money in Patrick Corbin. It's not like a, and again, this was comped. Brandon Kiley has been all over this on Twitter as well because it's a really interesting topic that a lot of people are talking about. But I disagree that this is the same deal as the Mookie Betts trade a few years ago when Betts had one year left and agreed to sign an extension with the Dodgers when he got there and the Red Sox felt they had to dump him and they got rid of David Price along with it. And David Price did have a bad contract, but he was not as abysmal leading up to that as Patrick Cordman has been for Washington. I don't think it's a direct comparison. Mookie Betts signing that extension immediately Scott Boras' client over here in Juan Soto, I don't know that he's going to do that. Like I've said already, I'm okay if he doesn't. I don't think it, I think people make too much of it. Trades either happen or they don't, and you don't have to spend all the time going, well, what if he leaves in two and a half years? 
than he does. I don't know what's happened in the time before that. I, I don't get too caught up in that. But what I will say is if Patrick Corbin is involved in this, you have to recognize as the Nationals that you're not also getting multiple top prospects, multiple major leaguers. Like Jordan Walker is a top 10 prospect already. I don't know where Baseball America has him, but on MLB's list, he's number seven in the in the game in terms of top prospects. The Red Sox, they got Alex Verdugo, who was top 35, top 40 at the time in that Mookie Betts trade. And they got Jeter Downs, who was really more like, I didn't ever see him as a top 50, but at times I guess somebody had him there. But he was more like a number 70, number 75 kind of prospect. And if you want to say that it's comparable, I, I guess you could do that. But I really look at that Corbin contract and say that is just brutal. But because it's just money, I think that's what makes it attractive if you're the Cardinals. Because you've got money. You may not always like to spend it, but you have it. And in deploying it in this manner, you're able to get a premium talent, a top three hitter in the game, without sacrificing your entire future. All you do is sacrifice two years of payroll, which you can afford to do. And then by the time that Patrick Corbin's money falls off the books, if you want to extend Juan Soto and he's being paid $35, $40 million a year for a long, long time, whatever it is, that's kind of palatable at that point because your your salary and your payroll actually goes down because you're not paying him $60 million a year. And that's kind of what it's going to look like for a couple of years of Patrick Corbin and Juan Soto together. So that's why I thought the news of Patrick Corbin being someone the Nationals want to attach to the Soto deal would be perfect for the Cardinals. I think it's crazy for them to do it. I think it's crazy cheap of the Nationals as a franchise, like they're they're cheaping out if they do it because they know, they have to know that they'll be sacrificing somewhat of the return in talented prospects that they'll get for Soto. But if I'm the Cardinals, that's what I open my eyes to and say, hey, this is actually interesting now because if I can do that and say, hey, listen, we'll give you some good prospects and some good players, but we can't give you Jordan Walker because he's a top 10 prospect in all of Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball, and... We're taking some really bad money here. So we'll give you some prospects, but we can't get you can't get you that one. Sorry. And we'll even give you some major league players, maybe to replace the guy you're losing, or an Alec Burleson as an outfielder to plug right into your Juan Soto hole in your lineup. That's fine. They're probably gonna ask for Dylan Carlson. And if I'm the Cardinals, I play hardball and say, listen, we're taking Patrick Corbin. I don't we don't want to give you Dylan Carlson too many years of control. I don't think the Washington Nationals would want Tyler O'Neill. If I'm the Cardinals, I'm really trying to remember the Infinity Stones. Tyler O'Neill could be an Infinity Stone if he's healthy. And then you have a lineup with O'Neill, Soto, Goldsmith, Arenado. Uh, yeah, that's pretty attractive to me. So you're trying to hold on to those guys. Do they want Harrison Bader? Probably not. Again, not enough team control for a team that's not going to be good for the next couple of years. Now, if they think they could have interest in Bader, and again, here are things that we don't know. We don't know what they think of Harrison Bader. We don't know what the Washington Nationals think of Dylan Carlson, of Tyler O'Neill. We don't know what their opinion of these players is. In Jim Bowden's article, he said Matthew Libertor is a guy and eh, Nationals aren't too high on him. So that's probably one that doesn't end up making sense. Bowden, and this is just speculation, but he said Nationals could be interested in and mentioned Carlson O'Neill. He said they'll want the package to start with Jordan Walker, but the Cardinals would instead say no. Take one of the major league outfielders instead. 
Nolan Gorman may be somebody that they'd be interested in. And if I'm the Cardinals, I, I might I might be okay with that. I know that Nolan Gorman has a great future, but he's not probably Juan Soto at his even at his ceiling, right? So if Nolan Gorman is the the leading player in the package, and you keep Jordan Walker and you keep your outfielders, Carlson O'Neill, I could be intrigued to to go that route potentially. Brendan Donovan, Juan Yepes, again, these are rookies. These are guys with five more years of team control after the season, and they've proven to be capable. Washington could plug them into their lineup. Those are the kinds of guys that I'm probably floating if I'm the Cardinals to say, hey, here's how we can restock you immediately if you do this deal with us. Bowden says they're not high on Libertor, so the Cardinals would probably have to consider sending Mason Wynn, Alec Burleson, pitching prospects. Michael McGreevy is a name that they threw out there, and he was in our Twitter trade poll as well. Some combination of four or five of those players probably comes close to getting a deal done. That's Bowden saying that. I don't know if that's true, and I think it's you You, you cannot treat this as just a one-size-fits-all. It all depends on Patrick Corbin's involvement, in my opinion. If he's in, you're getting less if you're the Nationals. You just have to be. It's what happened with the Colorado Rockies. They figured it out eventually with Arenado. The difference was Arenado was the star player who was already signed to the contract, and Colorado, knowing they're not contending soon, didn't want to keep paying him. There was no bad contract attached. Arenado was the contract, and they said, this is too much. I don't know why we did this. We gotta. We, we can't pay this guy. It's not worth it. Okay, fine. The Cardinals said, we'll give you Austin Gomber and a bunch of prospects. Good luck. And they said, okay, we'll take it, and we'll pay you to have that happen. I'm not saying that's going to happen here with Juan Soto. Different situation, but where it becomes somewhat comparable is Corbin's inclusion because it's $60 million that the Cardinals could snap their fingers and take away from the Nationals, and they'd be doing them a solid in that case. Could the Dodgers do the same thing? Yes. Could the Yankees do the same thing? Yes. They've got unlimited money for either of those franchises. Cardinals don't have unlimited money, but they've got the money. I'm telling you, if they want to raise the payroll and really go for it, they could. And Bill DeWitt values frugal and smart spending, but he also values homegrown talent. And he knows he's got homegrown talent here. And if you want to get a Juan Soto and then keep some of that homegrown talent or more of it than you otherwise would have, the way to do it is to say, yeah, we'll take Patrick Corbin. That's just fine. People are going to ask, what's realistic? What is a, a, a package that would make sense then that the Nationals might actually accept? And I don't know that. Short answer, I don't know that. Would it take still Dylan Carlson and Mason win? You know, if so, I think it's, again, I'm fine with the money of it. But if that's the case and you have to pay Corbin $60 million over the next two years, that's probably where I say, eh, it doesn't make sense to me. I'm not giving up Dylan Carlson, who's controllable for four years and, and can be your center fielder when Bader walks, if he does. And Carlson showing a better health track record right now than Bader with that plantar fasciitis. I like Carlson a lot. I still don't think we've seen the best of him offensively. And he's got more team control than Bader does. So I'm really trying to hold on to Dylan Carlson and Jordan Walker. Those are the two. Anybody else? You could probably convince me to come up. I mean, you could name four guys, and I'd say, yeah, for Soto and Corbin, I'd do it. Part of the question is going to be, are the Nationals, if they do include Corbin, are they going to do what the Rockies did and say, we'll pay down some of the contract to get you to take it, and then maybe that'll get us a better player or two. Do they pay some of Patrick Corbin's money? I don't really know. that, But that would have an impact on whether or not they get as big of a treasure trove as they're hoping for in a trade. And let's be clear, none of this is imminent. None of this is necessarily 
on the verge of happening, but I just want to run through the logistics of what I think it would look like the best I can. Or I can talk about it from a Cardinals perspective and say, here's where I'd be willing to go to. And if Washington, remember at the beginning of this, I said, they're going to have to make a realization. The same one Colorado realized eventually before they traded Arenado, you're not getting everything. You're not getting all these great players and getting rid of the bad money. You're going to have a combination of things, but it's going to be a compromise. You're going to get some good players, but maybe not as many as you want, and you're going to get rid of that money. That would be valuable, and that would be the route I'd be looking to go if I'm the Cardinals. But for that to happen, based on the Bowden reporting in The Athletic, they still need to go through a little bit of a mental transformation. They are not to that point yet where they think they're not getting it all. Because right now they're thinking, I need major leaguers, I need top prospects, and I need to get rid of Corbin, all three. You won't get all three. And the moment that the Nationals recognize that is when John Mozeliak can pick up the phone and say, all right, well, let's talk about this. And if that time should come, is it realistic to expect that this kind of trade would, would get it done, this kind of package? I don't know if it's realistic. But if I'm just going off of the names that Jim Bowden threw in here as interesting, I would be floating Tyler O'Neill or Harrison Bader and saying, here's an outfielder you can plug right in. If they're not satisfied by that, I'd be saying, listen, I know you like Dylan Carlson, but I just, we can't do that. We can't be paying all your bad contracts and paying Juan Soto, by the way. Part of this is the Nationals avoid paying Juan Soto $50 million for the next two years when they're not going to get any benefit from him other than ticket sales because he's going to do great on the field, but they're, it's not going to be enough to push them to a playoff spot. They're in a bad situation. They need to jumpstart their organization, which is why, again, it's very cheap for them to think that they're also going to unload Corbin, but they're they're in the process. The owners are selling the team in, in Washington, and so maybe that's part of it, trying to, to strip themselves of some debt. Whatever you want to do, the Cardinals are there for you. That's what I that's the motto that I would have. But I'd be looking at it and saying, all right, if you don't want O'Neill, somebody's got to be the headliner of this package. Can it be a Nolan Gorman? I'd be okay with that. I I mean, I want to keep him if I'm the Cardinals, but if if push comes to shove and that's a guy that piques their interest, all right, I think you got to talk about it. I'm looking Mason Wynn's direction because I want to keep Jordan Walker. Mason Wynn's a top 100 prospect, should be closer to top 50. I don't know where Baseball America has him offhand, but I know he's top 100. He's like 89th in MLB's rankings. Those have not been updated as recently. Cardinals player development tweeted this out on July 11th that Mason Wynn is number 67 according to Baseball America's list. Burleson is 75. Gordon Graceffo is 76, Ivan Herrera 90, Tinkens 95, Libertor 36, and Jordan Walker is number 8. So that's seven top 100 prospects for the Cardinals per Baseball America, which does lead the major leagues. So if you're saying, well, the Dodgers have this great farm system, um, Cardinals have uh, something to work with here. But look, if they're going to want multiple top 100s, I'm okay with that. You can take Mason Wynn. That's the one that hurts probably the most. Nolan Gorman has graduated right from the prospect list, but he was certainly a top 50 or so prospect prior to doing so. If you want to take him, maybe that's part of it. I I would like to try and keep him if I'm the Cardinals, but you can't keep everybody. If you're getting Juan Soto, sacrifices would would need to be made. But let's say Alec Burleson, they like him in the outfield instead of Soto. They can plug him right in. He's a number 75 prospect. Okay, done. Mason Wynn could really end up being kind of like Walker, a top 10, top 20 prospect down the road. He's at 67 right now. Okay, you plug him in. If you're if you're somebody who likes the comparison to the Mookie Betts deal, even though I don't think it was apples to apples, suddenly you're getting in range there. You maybe don't have the top 40 name of a Alex Verdugo, 
but they apparently don't like Matthew Libertor, who would be that guy. So you don't you can't offer a player that the other team doesn't like. That's part of this as well. It's why those trade websites that you guys like to go to and check it out and you make the values even, you say, oh, that's a trade. It doesn't work that way because they might not like the player that you included in that, and that's why those websites, it can be a fun tool to mess around with. Don't take it seriously as though you've solved it when you find the values evening out. Like Paul DeYoung, why would they want Paul DeYoung? He's an under, underperforming player at the major league level who you have to pay the next couple of years. It's not something they're interested in doing. So, you know, you wouldn't put him in those trade calculators that you see screenshotted on Twitter and floating around. But if I'm looking for a goal, it's keep Walker, keep Carlson. If you want Mason Wynn, Alec Burleson, Graceffo, even Tink Hens, pick a prospect or two, McGreevy, pick a pitching prospect or two, and then maybe a major league player, ideally not Gorman, but maybe, and I really like Brendan Donovan, but if that's something that, somebody that has value, if Juan Yepes is somebody that has value, that's, I think, how you round it out with some major league talent that they could plug in immediately. Is it realistic to say that Mason Wynn, Alec Burleson, Brendan Donovan, and Gordon Graceffo gets it done? I don't know. That's three top 100 prospects and a, what I consider to be a pretty valuable player in BFD at the major league level. That's going to be around for five more years before free agency. I think he's going to be a really good player, really long time. He's going to be a guy that's going to be around the league for a while, Brendan Donovan. Would that be something the Nationals would be interested in? I don't know. I don't know if that's enough for Juan Soto. You don't have a real true headliner in the top 25 in terms of top prospects. You don't have a Dylan Carlson. Dylan Carlson might be the comp to Alex Verdugo, but he's a little bit deeper into his career. But if that Mookie Betts trade tickles your fancy and you're looking for somebody to compare to, I don't think a Alec Burleson is quite on the level of Verdugo. But again, it may not be all that far off. And we don't know what the Nationals want. That's what it, you can't necessarily go back and compare it to a previous trade. This is kind of an unprecedented trade where it's a 23-year-old with multiple years of team control that we're sitting here talking about. So when people ask me what's reasonable, what's realistic that the Cardinals could get this guy for, I want to exercise caution and I want to preach it that people understand. We don't really know for sure. We don't even know when we think we know. We still don't. You just got to be careful about it and not just assume that something looks good on paper so it's going to be accepted by the Nationals. And we can't assume that the Cardinals are even pursuing this. I know it's fun to talk about. It's why I've spent all day on this podcast talking about it. But that doesn't make it more realistic just because we're giving it more air and we're talking about it. It doesn't make it more likely to occur. But if I'm the Cardinals, would I be comfortable with Wynn, Burleson, Graceffo, and one of those major league names, Donovan, Yepes, and maybe even Gorman, which I, I don't love the idea of that, but could I stomach it for Juan Soto? I think I probably could. As long as it's not Carlson or Walker, those are, I, I, I'm, I'm saying if I'm the Cardinals going into this, hey, I've got a couple guys I'm trying to protect from this. But Washington, you can we can talk about a lot of other names. But if you're the Cardinals and you go and say, okay, this guy, this guy, that guy, and the other guy, and him, oh, yeah, and can't have him either, are all off limits, the Nationals are going to laugh in your face and say, well, the Dodgers are going to take this Corbin contract without blinking, and they'll still give us prospects, so we'll see you. If you're the Cardinals, you got to recognize that it still does maybe take some talent to make it happen. And if you look at your calculators and you look at, man, that's a lot of money that you'd be spending and you're giving up, guys, well, it's because... It's, it's worth it. And why? Juan Soto's not on the market. He's not available to you other than through these means. And so even if it's painful, 
I'm not going to be the guy on Twitter. I'm not going to be the one that, that counts the years of control and says, well, that's not worth it. You can't just do that. You can't play both sides of it. You have to recognize that Juan Soto is an elite-tier talent, the likes of which do not exist on the open market. They're not available. And when they become available, you have to pay a premium to get them. I know they didn't with Arenado. That was unique. The Rockies are dumb. That's not something that's going to happen. So, yes, do I recognize that if I were to look at Wynn, Burleson, Graceffo, or Tinkens with a Brendan Donovan or a Juan Yepes and say, well, wow, that's 23 years of control. Whoop-de-doo. Could not care less. Because you don't know what all those guys are going to turn into. They might all be great. We know that Juan Soto is. And here's the other aspect of this, and it's not the one that I want to spend a lot of time talking about, and that's why I'm saving it till the very end. I did tweet about it today. But I know the Cardinals have a need in the starting rotation, and I recognize that if they're making this kind of splash for Juan Soto at the deadline, which, again, I don't expect them to do, but let's just stay in the hypothetical for a minute and say they did. I would recognize that it becomes more difficult to make a separate trade for a pitcher for the stretch run. Tomorrow's episode of B-Shape Daily, I'm hopeful to do one Thursday night. I'm thinking Pablo Lopez is a guy I'll focus on. We're going to leave this Juan Soto stuff in the past as of the end of this episode. I mean, we'll still bring it up if there's news to talk about. But I don't want to have it be the main focus. I want to talk about some other options because the Cardinals could use a pitcher. They could trade for one, and it would be very, very good. I think Pablo Lopez would be a fantastic choice if the Marlins are willing to talk about it. But here's what I'll say about Patrick Corbin. I actually think he'd be a good fit for the Cardinals. And don't hear what I'm not saying. Don't hear me say the Cardinals should target Patrick Corbin in a trade. No. They should target Juan Soto, and if Patrick Corbin's coming along for the ride, so be it. They can use that to their advantage, and they can plug him into the rotation. And honestly, maybe get decent enough innings from, call him a number five starter, but Cardinals could use a number five starter. And I mentioned the ERA is 5.87. That's pretty bad. Here is a series of numbers that I think makes it really intriguing, the notion of getting Patrick Corbin. 5.87 ERA. But FIP, I've talked about fielding independent pitching. I've talked about it in terms of guys like Dakota Hudson. Usually their FIP is much higher than the ERA because when they're with the Cardinals, they get that good infield defense, and he's a ground ball pitcher. And so Dakota Hudson often benefits. Now, it hasn't been as drastic in his favor this year. The ERA is right at 4.01, I believe, for Dakota. And the FIP is like 4.45 or so, 4.47, something like that for Dakota Hudson. Here's Patrick Corbin's FIP. It's 4.65. It's almost the same. It's almost identical to Hudson's. But Corbin's ERA is almost two runs higher. Now, why is that? Well, the Nationals have the worst defensive run saved in baseball this season at negative 37. That is 30th in Major League Baseball. The Cardinals' defensive run saved, 41, which is fifth in Major League Baseball. You're telling me that Corbin's ERA of 5.87 and what he's earned in terms of FIP is 4.65. You're telling me that he wouldn't come to the Cardinals and and improve almost immediately on that ERA? I think he would. He'd go from the worst defense in baseball to the best infield defense in baseball, in my opinion. And you look at third base, second base, shortstop, that's where the Cardinals are piling up all those defensive runs saved. He's a ground ball pitcher as well. Over the course of his career, has been one of the, the more heavily favored ground ball pitchers And you don't think he'd come to the Cardinals and they'd say, here, here's what you throw when you're in this organization. We're going to find a way to get you on the ground and keep you there. And we'll let Arenado, Edmund, Goldschmidt, we'll let those guys take care of things. You don't worry about it. I think he immediately gets better. Again, this would not be a trade getting Juan Soto and Patrick Corbin. It would not be a trade 
that fixes the Cardinals' rotation. That's not the goal when you set out to do it. However, and he's, he's a lefty, by the way, I think there's an argument to be made that by grabbing Soto and supplementing the offense in a major way, having those three Infinity Stones in the middle of your lineup and maybe number four if O'Neill can get there too, I think there's an argument to be made that Corbin is a great fit in terms of like a John Lester or a Jay Happ type that you take a flyer on. I've said that if the Cardinals are going to make a trade for a pitcher, it needs to be someone that's at least a number three, like on the tier of Wainwright, Michaelis, and you can plug him into your playoff rotation and feel pretty good about things. That's what you need to do if you're the Cardinals. But this would be a trade for a superstar player where you happen to get a pitcher back. It's not the same, and so I'm not going to apply the same expectations to it. I think Corbin would actually be a fit in that regard. And so maybe it wouldn't be a total loss cause, the $60 million you'd be paying him for the next couple of years. Maybe he can be an ERA of four and a half and give you 170 innings as a number five starter. I'm not saying that'd be great, but I don't think it would be nothing. And until I looked into the defensive numbers, the Nationals are dreadful. He would have to improve in St. Louis. And by the way, recently he's had some games where he struck out eight, struck out six, struck out 12. Like Patrick Corbin was once a very good pitcher. He's not that old. He's like 32, 33 years old. I'm not saying he would have a complete career renaissance in St. Louis, but it's not nothing. The idea of Corbin, basically, you're doing them a favor by taking him, but you can also plug him in, and I would be a little bit intrigued by that. Again, don't want to spend too much time talking about that aspect of it because you have to keep in mind, Juan Soto is the prize. Patrick Corbin is the price. He's the price you pay to acquire Juan Soto if you're you're attaching him to the deal and doing both. The point of the trade is Soto. I just think that the Corbin factor is kind of interesting on the side. So much has been said. I need to get to bed. Hey, that rhymes as well. At bshafer12 on Twitter. I've done a whole episode on Juan Soto, and I guarantee you there are things I have forgotten to mention. If there's something about this trade that you still want to hear discussed, I will do a little bit of cleaning up. I'll tidy up on Thursday if I get any questions at bshafer12 on Twitter or in the direct messages and say, hey, I listened to the Soto episode, but you didn't touch on this part of it that I really would like to hear your opinion on. You do that, and I will promise you I will make good on it, and I will mention it on Thursday. Otherwise, we'll go into Pablo Lopez, any other pitchers, any other players that you want to hear discussed at the trade deadline. Let me know prior to Thursday night, and I'll try to get those guys discussed on the next episode. So appreciate you guys, as always, for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on Be Safe Daily. Peace.